Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug and play type of scope housing, where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20 yard mark, you can really fine tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow and the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. Hello, we're at the BATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we use with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens still has our momentum management compressible blade technology so the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed uh, in flight it's one inch by inch and a quarter another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like so swap the tip out get you 125 grains instead of 100 which is big with those Western hunters. And then it's really simple to lock back in place, roll those blades up, and then it's a click, and another click on the other side. It's completely set in, will not prematurely deploy, will not rattle free, solid containment, 100% deployment every time. So we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time. So that's what's new for VIP this year. We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio. Well, hello, folks. This is your host, Jeff Vance here. I'm the, the host of the Bucks America podcast. Thank you for tuning in to another episode here. Tonight is a, a unique 
uh, guest because he's actually been listening to the podcast since it's been out or been listening to it for a while here. And he hit me up here last week and he wanted to be part of the podcast. So it's like, all right, well, it's like we started chatting, figuring out like what we could talk about to, to make his um, his input valuable. You know, it's like we figured like most of everybody that listens here like to build their family foundation because hunting is in the family. It's in the blood. And that's where our, our heritage comes from, whether you be here in America, whether you're in Mexico, Belgium, Ireland, it's like, all of us came from hunter-gatherers type attitudes, but we all had a community to get where we're at. And we want to discuss about family here and what it brings to us and what we, how we've passed this on to our generations here. Like both our fathers hunt, we both hunt, and now we, we're teaching our young to hunt too. I have an eight-year-old, as most of you know, and then Mike here, just his son just turned three back in July. And before we hit record, we started chit-chatting about that, but I want him to take over and start digging into his, some of his best memories with his dad and then kind of build in there for each instance that were very, very large landstone or, or uh, milestones for the, his development into the outdoors, you know? And if you can see behind him, he's got some really serious bucks behind it. So it's like, this guy knows how to shoot a one or two bucks. So go ahead, Mike, take it over, brother. I appreciate you having me on. Um, like I said, uh, ended up uh, having a little conversation there with you and told you I, I enjoyed what you were putting out. So, uh, Really, really thankful for you having me on. Um, glad we can talk about that. I think we got a lot in common as far as our kids and taking the kids out, and being raised. Appreciate the kind words, thank you. And plus, we're 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 both enjoying um, some beer. I got. I'm drinking a uh, microbrew from North Dakota. The brewery is called Inbound, and the name of the beer I'm drinking is Loon. So it's a nice ale. It's not very heavy, but it's very comfortable. And it's like you, you, you can actually sit back and you can find yourself drinking this for an afternoon, which I did most of the day yesterday between sobering up and maintaining a buzz. <laughs> so what, what are you drinking tonight there, bud? Hey, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing it the cheap way. I'm, I'm drinking an Addy Light. Hey, there you go, man. It's like I, it's like, I don't... Um, drink often but when i do it's like i like to get a nicer beer because it's like i'm only gonna be drinking like maybe six pack a month because i don't drink very often and so i like to like to have an, a higher quality beer very on, on special occasions and like i had a buddy like i was telling you mike i had a buddy of mine coming from arizona and it's like he wanted to experience wisconsinly and I, I showed him what what's all about he he did all right you know it's like he had a little rough yesterday because we drank pretty much all day we on Saturday. So to yesterday watching football was kind of our way of kind of sobering up and relaxing. Yeah. Right. On. But anyways, let's, we did a little football talking too. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'll have to reach back out to you Saturday evening. Um, after right. The yeah. Game. The, the, what we're referring to about that is like, I'm a Husker fan. I don't really talk about football, but it's like, I'm a Husker fan through and through. It's like my family has been part of Husker ter- tradition since, um, the, government was giving out land back in the 1800s you know and my my uncle went or excuse me my grandpa went there back in the 40s then that launched his military career and then became a teacher and then become a uh, professional banker and now my cousin's going there so that's pretty quite uh, epic to see that we're because it's uh, we all know getting into nebraska is not an easy thing to get in because i mean it's literally the ivy league school of the midwest and it's very expensive right very uh, very traditional school too not not just in terms of um football but very traditional school in terms of everything great alumni base and um mm-hmm. national brand you are a michigan fan so that's what we're talking about coming up this evening or right. next saturday 
I'm a uh, I'm a Michigan fan, and uh, I live in Ohio, so I, I take a lot of heat from it. But um, I'm not a fair weather fan. I've, I've been with them since the beginning. So go blue. We'll see what happens Saturday. Right. I'm just looking for something entertaining to watch because you know it's like I've been I've been kind of actually been off football for the last few years and my roommate started watching football. He likes, he's more indicated to it, dedicated to it. I myself prefer being in the tree stand during the hunting season. Cause it's like, I only need to know the last two minutes of the fourth quarter. And I can just catch highlights on ESPN later down the road. But it's like, I want to spend my time out there in the woods because it's like, I can't, t- it's like, I'd rather have those type of memories in a football game. They'll never forget. Never remember. That's right. I, I never, uh, I never choose watching football ever being in the woods. Amen to that, brother. So why don't we talk about your your youth with your dad and stuff like that? Because you and I both have similar fathers. We both they both were gun hunters. But my dad was a muzzleloader, so it's like I, I gained my appreciation for the one shot, one kill. That's why I gravitated over to archery. How about yourself? Yeah, um, when I was a young kid, probably I want to say you know, six, seven, eight years old. Uh, my brother, uh, he's about fifteen years older than me. He uh, purchased me a, a four ten bolt action. And uh, we grew up in a, everybody gun hunts, you know, back in the nineties, you know, early two thousands, um, bow hunting wasn't, wasn't big around here per se. And um, I always went gun hunting with her, with her family. We have a uh, family property out on the uh, South end of the County and we would get together, yeah. me, my cousins, my dad, my uncles, um, my grandfather, we'd just do deer drives. and. Um, Obviously, the hunting part of it, there wasn't a whole lot of it. You go and sit and wait for a deer to come your way kind of thing. But um, mm-hmm. that's, how I, that's how I first got into it. Um, I think I ended up killing my first deer in like third grade. I came in from school one day and my dad asked me if I wanted to go out. And we were sitting there five minutes. I ended up, ended up shooting a doe and I really enjoyed it. Um, my dad was the one that got me into the woods and whatnot. But it wasn't until probably, I want to say, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I actually got into bow hunting. And as I got into it, I, I was successful. I was killing deer and whatnot. And I, I thought at the time that I knew what I was doing. But, you know, looking back on it, I knew enough to kill a deer, but I, I didn't. I didn't know what I know now, per se, if you understand what I'm saying. But um, I get it. My dad, uh, my dad was never a bow hunter. Um, so I, I more or less taught myself and you know, through teaching myself, I made a lot of mistakes that I didn't know I was making at the time. But look, looking back, I, I made a lot of mistakes, but um, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. I think everybody has one thing in their life that, you know, that, uh, they, they're obsessed with or have a, a ton of respect for and whatnot. And um, the only thing in my life that um, comes before bow hunting is, is my kids. Um, deer are, Dear mean of the world to me. And like I said, the only thing that that means more to me than all these deer behind me, these animals that we, I, I chase that I love to chase are, are my kids. That's fantastic. You know, it's a good way to um, have a good philosophy of it because now you're going to be able to instill your son because uh, I have a friend of mine that's been on the podcast, Justin Fiskajon up there, and he got his son out this year out turkey hunting, got himself a full-size uh, 410 for him, cut the stock down, but got him out there, and he shot himself his first bird. But the nice thing is, like, with buying a full-size one now, as he, gets, as he progressively gets older, he just replaces stock. 
instead of having to buy a youth 410. Right. Then you have to move up to an adult one. So it's like, you just like, well, I'll just do this. And they practice it out, shot it. You know, it's like, I'm looking forward to hear like you getting your boy out there. This, this do you hunt Turkey by chance? I do. I do hunt Turkey. Um, I actually, uh, I had the obsession I have with deer. I used to have with Turkey. Um, I used to love chasing Turkey, man. I, I wake up yeah. you know, every morning before school when I was in high school. And I, uh, you know, when I got my, uh, I got my driver's license, uh, I remember telling my buddies it's over for the turkeys. And man, I used to, I used to haul me and my buddies all around the ridges. We'd go out before school. And then, um, like I said, I just, I, I moved on to deer and it's, uh, I love it. Tur- turkeys are great. Some of the best memories I've made are definitely with turkeys. It's something you can go do with your friends, you know, to where deer, so deer sort of bow hunting is a, usually a one man kind of thing. That tends to be that way. I do sit with my wife and such, so it's like this way we trade off who's calling and, and then who's going to be shooting. And we, we just kind of take our turns based off of what we see walking out in front of us and going from there. I got really lucky. Like My wife likes to hunt, so it's like it's 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 fun to be able to sit out there with her, and it's like showing her these little t- tidbits that I've learned about calling, grunting, like teaching like what a mature doe sounds like when she's like, I'm here to get down. So it's like listening to better hunters than I am, but listening to how they grunt and stuff like that on YouTube, you know, it's like, huh, I want to learn how to, how to call specifically like certain tones and what to use. It's like full up YouTube. Now the good thing is, is like we, I have YouTube. I've only been hunting whitetail or or bow hunting whitetail since 2015. And so it's been kind of a, a learning curve for myself, but it's like, there's a lot of influential people out there that you can just learn from and like what they did and what they didn't do and such, and then pay attention from them. It's like, I'm always learning something new, which is fantastic. What are some of the techniques that your dad taught you growing up through whitetail hunting? Even though, granted, it's gun hunting, but like I said, you had to give you something. Yeah. He, um, so I'm from small town, America, um, town I live in uh, about 2,500 people and that's the county seat. So, um, literally I'm from small town America. It's two lane highway and gravel roads. So yeah, it, it was, like I said, it was what I knew as a young kid. I, I can remember we'd make the turn on main street. There was a local restaurant that all the deer hunters went to. And, um, uh-huh. I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old. I, I thought I was something, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in here with all these deer hunters and mm-hmm. I, I really thought I was something, but you know, a lot of what my dad taught me, my, my, my dad was huge on, on firearm safety and, and it wasn't one of those things where I'd go out one day and then didn't want to go the next, you know, my, my dad was really repetitive on me on, you know, you can't just go out and set for an hour and expect to kill something. So, um, as you know, with, with chasing these big deer, a lot of times they require a lot of your time. Mm-hmm. My, my, my dad coached me in youth sports growing up and whatnot. And, uh, it was always a big thing that he always harped on was the last four letters of American I C A N I can. And he always, he used that in sports and he used it in, in hunting as well. You know, I can do what I want, but I'm gonna have to work for it kind of thing. So, you know, my, my dad taught me that you have to work for everything. And that's especially the case with, with deer and, you know, like with turkeys, you know, you'll get on turkeys that are hard to kill. Sometimes they'll take a couple of days. It might take you a week, but, um, these, as you know, these animals are just different. You know, these are, these are animals that grow and continue to get bigger. And, you know, a lot of times by the time we kill them, they're, 
super big or mega giants. And it's not because of, yes, it's not because we let them go that many times. It's because it took us that long to kill them. So, you know, my, my dad was big on, you know, never giving up, making sure I was spending as much time in the woods as I can. Um, I actually, like I said, my brother had bought me that 410 bolt action, but I don't think I killed a, a deer until probably my third year hunting. And um, that, that was a big thing. Like I said, just staying dedicated and staying in the woods and, and whatnot. And um, but my, he's still the same way now. He gets on me and asks me, he said, I don't know how you kill all those deer. I don't know how you do it every year, but uh, you know, it's what he taught me. Work hard and don't let anybody outwork you. And like I said, the, the only thing that comes before these deer are my kids and um, they're, they're my number one. And uh, when I, when I don't have them or whatnot, uh, I'm spending all my time with, with deer. Oh, hundred percent. I completely get it. I, I hunt a um, combination of uh, prior, uh farm management land and public land over here. So it's like I pick and choose my battles. You know, I, I don't go during the weekends, but I try to get out during the week. And so far I've I've had, I've always seen activity, but I'm not always able to con, uh, con, uh, close on something. Cause it's like the will show up and they're 140 yards away. It's like, well, I can't really sneak over to him. Cause well, a six foot dude is not a very quiet man when you're going through the thick brush. And it's like, especially where the deer go. Now you said you taught yourself bow hunting what were some of your biggest learning curves because you didn't have somebody there to walk you through posture and breathing and anchor point and such what did you what what were your some of your uh issues that you had overcome as you progressed through where you're at today you know as a as i said ohio is a state that you can bait in. there's a lot of states that you can't bait in um so when i was starting out a big thing here is um everybody baits I mean, there's people that don't like yeah. it, um, but if you don't do it, your neighbor is. And if your neighbor's feeding, that's where your deer are going to be kind of thing. So I don't necessarily hunt ever bait all the time, um, but I'll use, I'll use bait for inventory or to keep deer on my farms. Um, mm-hmm. So I think a big thing with, with everybody baiting in Ohio being a baiting state, so many people go, you know, pour out corn, they put a, put a stand on it and, and they set and, until a deer comes in and they kill it. And the, the big difference now versus say 10, 15 years ago is baiting so prevalent that these deer are used to it. Like um, their moms bring them in on it as yearlings and these mm-hmm. deer are eating corn piles. I mean, and okay, that's a, that's a big difference now between say 15, 20 years ago, where if a deer was walking through the woods and stumbles upon a big pile of corn in the middle of white oaks, that deer was obviously going to be like, what, what the heck? Something's not right here. But now, yeah, exactly. But now there's a there's a corn pile on every ridge, and like I said, I, I'm not against people that set on them. I, I've killed deer off of them. Do I? Uh, do I prefer to do it now? But I do bait to keep deer on my farms. Uh, just to be honest with you, because like I said, if if you're not doing it, your neighbor is, and that, that's where your deer are going to be. So um, even with even with that, you know, like when I started out, I did a lot of baiting and I, I sat on corn a lot. Um, yeah. And then I realized, you know, even as, as deer grow used to that, um, deer can have one bad occurrence on that. You know, they could you know, get shot. Somebody put a bad shot on them. Um, they could mm-hmm. come in the bait site and pick you out of the tree or all it takes is one bad occurrence. And these, these deer that are mature, they understand that, you know, that's not normal if there's, a pile of corn set in the middle of white oaks. Um, like I said, a lot of people use it as inventory. I, I like to use it for inventory. 
Um, but the big thing with me was when I first started out, like I said, I was hunting corn piles and I was killing deer that were 130 inches, 135 inches that, you know, at the, okay. at the time they were my first. And keep in mind in Ohio, we, we, we have the ability to grow some super big deer. And, um, at the time I thought, you know, heck yeah, this is a good deer. I was just getting into bow hunting. And then when I started to want to hunt more mature deer or bigger deer, I realized that the odds of getting them daylight on a corn power, the odds of killing a deer off corn power was just slim. I mean, like I said, you can use them for inventory, but um, a big thing that I taught myself was I love hunting scrapes. And um, I, I taught myself how to hunt scrapes, when to hunt scrapes, you know, I learned about, I learned a lot about the difference between a, a community scrape, a scrape that's going to be there every year versus a scrape that a three-year-old comes down a logging road and blows open just to let the does know that he's there and mm -hmm. he won't come back and hit it again kind of thing. So, um, I learned a lot about community scrapes, scrapes that are, that are there every year, how to, yeah. um, but that was the big thing with me was you know, teaching myself how to kill deer being deer versus doing what everybody else was doing, which was setting on a corn pile. So, um, transition zones, um, funnels, scrapes. Um, now that I, now that I've learned how to hunt them and, you know, learned the right times to be in places, um, yeah. said a lot of people do bait and nothing against it. I do it. Like I said, you got to do it because your neighbor's your neighbors are doing it, but that was the big thing with me was, um, you know, teaching myself how to, uh, how to hunt scrapes and transition zones and, you know, funnels and, you know, when deer were moving, when deer were seeking, when deer were locked down. So yeah, that was all stuff where, you know, I spent a lot of time sitting in the woods and not seeing deer and, you know, wondering what the heck I was doing wrong. And, um, like I said, I, I sort of had to teach myself. I, I listen to a lot of podcasts, you know, I listen to your podcast. I, I really enjoy listening to, you know, Mark Drury. Um, mm -hmm. Everybody knows Mark Drury, um, you know, Ben Rising. These are guys that are, you know, super good when it comes to killing big deer. So um, I learned, I learned a lot from those guys, just watching them and learning from them. And then, you know, I, I put it to work myself with trail cameras. And like I said, I'm, I'm a big guy on hunting scrapes. So um, I can't take all the credit for, you know, per se teaching myself. I was, I had the open mind to, to learn, sit down and listen and watch, you know, the, the Mark juries of the world. And it ended up teaching yeah. a lot. That is a very good point. See, Wisconsin, you can bait, you can't hunt over bait. I believe in certain, I, I don't bait. So therefore I am not um, versed in the laws, but you, you can bait here in Wisconsin. I tend not to, uh, well, I hunt public land. So it's like I, the places I've been able to get at to right now, where I'm one of the places I'm hunting been consistently for the last two years is that um, they, they plant clover there. Cause we have what they call farm management land, and what it allows them to do is like if you have a, like the acreage I'm hunting, no longer being farmed, is but it's they use it for uh, uh, baling hay and stuff like that's it. But you get your property entered in the program, so this way then you get a, a, a discount on your taxes or whatever. And, it, and there's there's qualifications to be part of it, and obviously, but uh, it's been really nice because they plant clover. So it's like I just set on transition zones, go from there. I have been learning more about mock scrapes. I had Lucky Seven on, and also Native Sense, and those guys are just wizards when it comes out about uh, Brian Sparksman. That guy, he is smart. You can talk about 
scent and chemistry and all that fun stuff. It is very intense in what you can learn from that podcast. It's like you almost want to listen to it twice because he drops some good dimes on there. And plus, all of his pictures that he shows are from his own property here in Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. So you get to see what he does and why he uses them and what brings him success. And similar to uh, Native Sets, too. They do that, too, as well. We're working with mock scrapes and such and transitions and, and learning about, like, like a buck's not actually marking territory. He's actually just smelling to see if the does he's looking for are showing up there. So it's like it kind of gave me some ideas on how to work field edges and putting uh, some of his scents there. So this way then I can trick him to think there's still a hot doe, there's a doe coming through. And just because like the urine is not scented, it doesn't, well, it's not, it doesn't have estrogen in it. So it's like it's, you just put a couple drops there just to have them keep showing back up again. And I put a couple cameras on there and go from there. And uh, it's nice. It, so I've never, I can appreciate people that bait because it's like, uh, you know, I get it. It's like when you have um, this bluff country here, it's tough to keep them in spots because they'll they'll bounce around and sometimes they'll, they'll travel 80, 80, 90 yards. And sometimes these bluffs are just straight up. And these things, these animals are very creative in how they get there. And it's like I hunted a couple of bluffs last year, and it's like hour and a half just to go, like if just vertical, like 300, 400 feet. And that took over an hour to get there because it's like it's very steep grade to get up to it. And you, it didn't didn't produce anything for me, but it was definitely experience because it's like I just lose the topographic maps on on uh, Google and it's like show like oh there's pines there there's there's got to be a place where I can set for a transition you know right and uh, Wisconsin you the I think it was 28, 2017 and twenty eighteen they allow that you can allow um, you can leave your stands out there on public land the only downside is like you may not come back to a stand or you show up and there's somebody in your stand right and so it's like well you know. You just got to play the game. You got to go from there. So I've been pretty lucky that um, I've been setting, I've been looking at the gl the ghost blind because I'd like to do a lot of ground to pound because mm -hmm. they're it, hunting the bluffs is very challenging because you have to pay attention to thermals, which is pretty cool because you get, it's a, if you don't have a chance to get out West, you have an experience of doing that and having it hit you for the first time of whether it be in the morning or in the afternoon, it is definitely something that really, really makes you pay attention. But also on top of the two, sometimes the wind just doesn't want to cooperate with you. I come in on a west wind, and all of a sudden it goes east or goes south. It's it's just weird, absolutely weird, how the bluffs can monkey with your scent. But you know, I just I just do my due diligence and pay attention the what I'm wearing and how I'm scenting or descenting myself. I picked up this new product called Deception, and their claim to fame is that they 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 descent stadiums like you know like they'll you have a big uh, monster truck rally. They'll come in the next day and they'll put their their, their uh, diffuser in the system there, and it pulls all that gasoline and all that diesel out of there, which is pretty cool. And it's like, yeah. and I was a little doubtful for it, but what he what the guy did is he takes some dough urine, sprays it in a coffee cup. I mean, it just reeks. Then he sprays that on top, and it eliminates the scent. It's like it's not even as if he he just sprayed put some deer piss in there. It just it was it blew my mind. But also too, they they also had the main contract for all of the uh, Coors light bottles they they use their product to descent the bottles so this way when you when you so this way you get that crisp clean flavor of uh Coors coming and when you if you if you if you drink Coors it's like that's pretty cool it's like all right and i it's like i've had deer come within feet now it's like it's very exciting to have them show up so close yeah that's why i love bow hunting just you and the deer 
Oh, yeah, especially when you're on their eye levels. Like I was telling you before we got on, like last Wednesday, I was just got done spraying myself down, you know, because I want I wanted to keep that keep myself from developing because you, you develop scent from your your skin, of course, your hair, but also from your breath. So it's like I just kind of spray my spritz myself down, and I look through, and there's this beautiful eight points. Like oh, I'm gonna shoot you, being I'm up here tonight because when I saw him, it's like all I saw was like maybe um, a pizza or a pizza uh, size uh, opening. But it was all just crisscross limbs. There's no way I'm going to pull off the shot. But I tried doing a snort wheeze to see if I could get him to do, make something happen. But he's just, he just kept on walking. It's like, I don't give two shits, man. It's like, well, at least I know that I was in well hidden and my scent was on point. Right. Because he was only 30 yards away. It was That's a chip shot. Right. Well, whether people want to believe it or not, humans stink. We stink. I mean, it's. Oh, yes. So, I mean, uh, it's a it's a task to task to do that, especially when you're on the ground, when you're when you're eye level with them, you know. So I'm looking forward to there was this doe last year that always anytime I sprayed nose jammer, she was out there waiting for us. Like she's like, I know the smell. I see this shadowy figure, but I don't know who it is or what it is. Because right. uh it's it's never failed last year. This year I've kind of moved away from nose jammer because I don't want them, I don't want other deer to recognize that smell right. when other humans are around. So I was like, all right, well the guy that sold me the product gave that as a good perspective now i'm not not knocking nose jammer because it's a great product last year i had a lot of fun with it having really cool close encounters what's that has like a vanilla smell to it it does they've been using vanilla since the 50s and 60s you know but now it's just more of an aerosol spray right uh my wife used to work at gander outdoors and when it came hunting time it's like people would spray that stuff in the air and it just like it anybody that was sensitive to that smell would just get migraines yeah, <laughs> I've used it a little bit. Yeah, because I had a, I got turned off from it here a couple of years ago because I sprayed a trail cam with it and it cleared the deer out. Never saw a single deer there until I moved my trail cams to a different spot. So it's like it kind of turned me off. And then last year I had a really positive experience with it. So and I really do like their um, shampoo. Like you know, we both have beards, so we really have to pay attention to what goes on in, in our beards and what goes on underneath our skin there. Because if it dries you out and you're itchy, you're just not going to buy the product again. And I thought that was a very well thought out product. Yeah, I tell you what, um, we use. Uh, I, I'm the the founder of a uh, web series we just started this year called Appalachian Chase, and we're sponsored by Lemon Shield, and some of their products are. Um, I haven't used them personally in the woods. I said, I haven't been out yet. Cause the deer that I'm wanting to hunt, they're not daylight, but um, I really like their stuff. I, I've used stuff before that's dried your skin out and it just makes you miserable. And then, mm-hmm. I mean, you're in there skin cells and everything else. So um, I, I do, I do like their products, but I've used, um, I've used nose jammer too. And it worked fine for me as well, but I'm with you on the smell. I don't know if they catch on to that or, or not. I think it's like you like you know how you said you have one bad set they're they're gonna recognize that well all of a sudden you shoot this mature doe and there's dozen other does around you something or, or a buck there it's like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna put that together and it's like yep. ah maybe I don't want to use that uh, right off the get go or something like that or try to or use it as a lure in a sense where you spray one spot but you're you're over in a different area that like that because but your goal is to get them to travel right. down a certain corridor or funnel them uh, it's one of those it's weird but. For me, when I look at buying a product, like I haven't tried Eliminate, so I can't, I don't have, can't put my two cents in it, but it, it comes down to my wife. If she likes the product, that's what I'll buy because it's like she's going to be sitting there too. And so it's like she's got her own 
niche about how she has her hair and stuff like that, what she uses for it. So I want to make sure she, she likes it. So this way then we both buy it. So I'm not buying two separate products. Right, right, right on. That gets, that gets expensive, especially when you when you buy the bigger jugs because they can be like 25, 30 bucks. And it's like, that's, that gets, yeah. And I was like, I don't buy really high end um, shampoos, but it's like for a guy, that's kind of expensive. For girls, like, that's a drop in the bucket there, honey. Yeah. I'm the same way. With this upcoming season, you said you only hunt um, when you start seeing the daylight. No, you use trail cams. Right. Do you use cellular cams then to kind of give you an idea when they're going to be up on their feet in the morning? Or do you just kind of, Kind of use it to you use the you just have regular cameras where you have to go out and pull the cards and check. I've had I've had cell cams just where the farms that I hunt there's not there's not service. We're in hill country and there there are okay. People. I do know plenty of people that use them, but um, a lot of where my your area doesn't yeah, yeah. where my sets are. Um, I, I don't have service at a lot of the areas. So have I had cell cams? Have I ran cell cams? Absolutely, but um, it's it's to the point where that they'll work half the time kind of thing. So I get it. I, yeah. Being in bluff country, get the exact same thing. I get maybe one bar. It's like, well, I'm not going to spend 150 to two to $300 on a cam, on a cam that's not going to get really any reception. So like, so how do you, like when you go out hunting then, do you just pull your cameras before your, your cards before you go up in the tree stand then? Or what's your strategy? Yeah. Um, so as I said, I, I don't, I don't hunt unless the deer that the deer that I'm wanting to kill is uh is daylight. Just one of those things. Um I put a thing on Instagram there. It was the opening weekend of season. I think I made a person or two mad about people that go out and hunt opening weekend just so they can take a picture in their tree stand, take a selfie and say, Look at me, I'm hunting kind of thing. Meanwhile, they don't have a deer on camera that they want to kill. Or if they do have a deer on camera that they want that they want to kill, that deer is in there at two in the morning, eleven in the evening. At no point in time is it in there at a at a time where they can kill it. So yeah, in essence, they're just going in there and <laughs> taking chances on screwing stuff up, kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I don't hunt unless the conditions are right and the conditions are right for the deer. You know, I'm not if if I have a deer that's rolling in it you know, midnight, one in the morning. And that's what he's done all year. Um, you know, maybe you can take a chance in late October when, you know, the does start popping, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I <laughs> you have those people that you run into at the store and they're like, Hey, you, you hunt this morning? No. Do you? And they say, yeah, show you a picture of their deer. And you had a daylight any? No. Like, what you doing out there for, right? Yeah, what are you, what are you, what are you doing, kind of thing. But teach their own. I just I, I found methods that work for me, and mm-hmm. going out and setting the woods on deer that aren't close to daylight, or or daylighting. It just, you know how these deer are. You know, a lot of times with, with the area that that I'm in, there's a lot of hunting pressure. You know, I'm I'm blessed enough that I have a couple farms to myself that I don't have to worry about other people being on. And I can't, t- yeah. I can't tell you how much it works in my advantage where, you know, the neighboring property owners or the neighboring farmers allow other people to hunt. And these people per se don't know what they're doing and they're stomping all over the place. And um, prime example last year, uh, a deer that I, I had been hunting that I wanted to kill um, 
he ended up going up the holler, getting on the neighboring farm. And okay. I, I ended up shooting another deer. Um, it's actually this deer right here. Um, okay. I ended up shooting him because I, I got, this, I got discouraged. I got mad because all the pressure that was going on around my farm and it just, it sent deer and sent this deer into chaos mode. He's a mature deer and whatnot. And what had happened was there was a couple people that got him on camera and as soon as they got him on camera, they were in the woods stomping around every day and they end up running this deer clean up the holler. And I got frustrated and got mad. So I went and hunted another farm. I actually, I never had a picture of that deer that I shot, but yeah, gun season rolls in two weeks later. There's zero pressure on the, on the farm that I was hunting. Um, I'm this, I have sole permission to hunt the place. So gun season rolls in the second day of gun season, they push this deer right back in. And I poured the big time to him to keep him in there all week, keep him on my farm to keep him alive. Yeah. And uh, mm-hmm. it worked. I, <laughs> once they pushed him back in there where he felt safe, I had <laughs> two, 300 daylight pictures of him, but Ohio is a one buck state. So I just had to, uh, I had to feed him, okay. I had to feed him and keep him alive. And, and I did. Um, so I'm having a hard time finding him this year unfortunately but um i I, i'm a firm believer and i don't know if you've ever heard of the same time same place uh don higgins he's don higgins is well known in the podcast world he's um chasing giants podcast and he's wrote a couple articles on the same time same place for for mature Mm -hmm. so i'm uh i'm holding out hope I, i have a good deer on camera right now um me and my buddy that's the one you showed me right yeah, uh, yeah, and I'm gonna. Man, he's he's a stud. I, I I don't blame you for being patient. Yeah, um, so I'm just uh, I'm gonna wait and see see what's going on. It's early, you know. It's, mm-hmm. I guess it's hard when you see um, yeah, you know, a boy that I know. He's a good friend of mine. He shot a deer last night, probably 170 inches. So it's hard when your buddies are sending you pictures of them holding giants and whatnot. But uh, I'm gonna hold out because last year I told I told my hunting partner. I said, man, I know what, what happened. I killed this deer and then I'm going to end up getting, it's a deer, I, the deer I call trash. I said, I'm, I'm going to end up getting trash daylight and sure as shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's what happened. So I'm going to, I'm going to hold out. I mean, it's, I think it's easy. You know, people start posting pictures of deer and you're like, man, I want that to be me or that, that I, I could do that. Or I have this deer I could go kill, but um, I'm going to hold out and uh, see what happens here this year. Yeah, I don't blame you. See, I'm the same way you. Uh, it's like since I don't have trail cams, and so I don't I'll come on public land. I don't want my cameras to come up missing. So it's like I just kind of go out there, but it's like I don't have I don't I don't I live like 45 minutes away, so kind of go out in glass uh, once a week is kind of expensive. I mean, it's 80 minutes round trip, and it's not an easy path to get there because I literally have to drive through town to get to it, and that's literally like. 30 minutes of my travel right there. And so I just kind of go out there. Like right now I've been focusing mostly on getting my doe tags. I got three to three to fill. And then if I get lucky or something like, or if I just want to just randomly go to another, another uh, spot to go out and hunt and go from there and maybe try to use that one time spot, you know, but I, I follow a lot of uh, advice from Jeff Helmers. He's uh, big in the outdoor world because he's has developed his own academy, but it's also about land management. Mm-hmm. And he's he only hunts like two or three times a week, and that's it. And him and his do- his daughters pulled a B and C buck off their land for like the last nine years straight. I mean, 
easy 180 to 200 class buck every single year. They only hunt two or three times a year. That's it. Because they, they, they know their deer so well. They only hunt on a 40-acre property. That's it. Mm-hmm. But it's like he also sells his product there, too. It's like he's got this great um, uh, clover, this co- great combination for food plots. And he's just really, really good at it. And he's like, you follow the same thing like you did. Same place, same time. And worked out. Like, I, I got a chance to talk to uh, uh, Brett Smith. He... Schmidt, he taught, he shot the uh, Mr. Big, uh, the 194 uh, southeastern Minnesota right there, and he did the same thing. He hunted, he hunted this uh, time frame in October, around right on uh, Halloween, ten days out there, and sure enough, it's like that got to day like four or five, and or no, or is it six or seven, right around those time frame. And it's like sure enough, he showed up in the morning, capitalized on it. He was on the new uh, 2021 HHA site. Uh, magazines stuff like that. It's just a beautiful buck. I've got the hold, the mass in my hands is like it is just insane. But he has a similar philosophy, you know. But he he hunts the same ten days every year. He saves up his PTL for it, so it's like it's well. Actually, he owns his own insurance company. But that was a good conversation about why a lot of landowners are switching to leases because kind of like a CYA. Because you and I, it's like hey, we got a hunt, chance to hunt somebody's land. But then it's like you may, let's say you get injured, you break your ankle, your your knee or your or elbow or something like that. You may not sue the the guy, the landowner, but your insurance company will. Right. And so it's like that's a very valid point. So it's like cause there's there's got to be some way that you can make him feel safe that you're not going to like try to. There's got to be some way to avoid signing a lease this way. Then you if you something bad happens to you because you don't want to give up the hunting property, but you don't want your insurance company to ruin it for you. Right. Right. I understand what you're saying. And I think a lot yeah. of this, what, what a lot of people don't realize is, and that, this was a mistake that I made a lot whenever I was first getting into bow hunting. Yeah. And th- these big deer, human intrusion, they, they, they hate it. They hate it. And, mm-hmm. I, know, and I, I used to do it a lot, but I know people that they go check their trail camera every two days, every three days. Ooh, that's too much interaction. Cause I learned that too, like year two or year three when I was doing, or yeah, I think it was by year three. It's like, I, I only check them only when I could, if I'm going to go set, grab my kit, grab my cards, go up my tree stand, put on my phone. And while, while I'm waiting for daylight to happen, I'm just sitting there looking at the look at the dates and times like, okay. Uh, and then it gets closer to the day I'm set. And it's like, I'm seeing them, I'm seeing them. It's like, all right, let's go ahead. And that's how I shot. So I shot that guy right there. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, human intrusion. Like, uh, people, people don't realize. I mean, I we we hung a set there the other day, and uh, we ended up getting we had a good deer on camera, and we didn't have a set in there that the deer that I actually sent you. So me and my buddy mm-hmm. went. And we hung a set and put a couple cameras in there, and it was raining. So you know, luckily that was good to help wash our scent away. But you know, even at that, if you're not, I guess the best advice I could give somebody is. When you think that you're, you think you're doing something because you're going in there and feeding every three, four, five days, or checking your cameras, and you feel like you got, you got to be, you got to be in the woods, but it makes you feel like you're doing something. You're doing something. You're educating your deer, and you're you're making it harder on you. So, hundred percent. Yeah, you gotta, you, you gotta watch your human intrusion, um, deer. Um, like I said, we said earlier, we were talking about scent. Humans think we smell, and. Mm-hmm. You know, we we go in there, send it down, or our, our camos all wash. You know, you've been out in the wind. You know, we we took showers, and you know how it is. You go in there, and you still get you still get winded. Um, 
Mm-hmm. Imagine mm-hmm. if you're not doing all that. You're just walking down in there to pop a card out and check your camera and leave. And so many people think, nah, I just checked the camera and got out. They didn't know. They, they, they know. They know you were there. You know, one thing, one thing that um, I do a lot of is if I'm going to go check a camera or um, if I'm going to feed or whatnot, I'll, I'll take the four wheeler in. I'll leave it run the whole time. Just, it's the farms I hunt have, you know, tractors on them and whatnot running a lot. So I, yeah. I, I try to imitate a farmer a lot, not, not more or less imitate. I just, I try to act like, Hey, I'm not trying to be quiet. I'm glad you know, I'm here kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of these deer, I like to go check my cameras like in the middle of the day when deer are bedding. Um, and a lot of these deer, if they hear you coming or they know you're coming, they won't move. They, they, they're used to it, especially these farms around here. They'll just lay there. You don't see me. I don't see you kind of thing. So that's something that I, I, I do a lot of is if I am going to go do something, I don't make it a point to, to be quiet when I do it um, because, you know, these deer are familiar with the tractor sounds or, you know, side by sides, the farmer going out and feeding the cattle and yelling and, you know, the gate banging kind of thing. So um, the, that's one thing that, that I have changed what I do. I don't, I don't go in and, and try to be quiet. I think, I think something that really sets deer off is um, if a deer has to know you're there by virtue of its nose rather than virtue of its sight or mm-hmm. virtue of hearing yeah. you. Yeah. If it has mm-hmm. to know you're there by its nose and let's just face it, a deer's nose is what keeps it alive. So um, yes, I, I think if a deer knows you're there by virtue of his eyes or by virtue of its ears, you're fine. If that deer has to know you're there by smelling you and it doesn't hear you, or, you know, you're going up in the stand and hear you release, you know, ting off your ladder sticks. That's, that's when the red flags go up per se. Yeah. Where, where it sets in that memory of them. Like I, I know the smell. It's like, he's, if you smell, if he gets wind of you anywhere, it's like he's going to disappear. Kind of like, um, I was talking to Brian Sparks. He was talking about as carnivores, we produce an enzyme in our urine and stuff like that. And the deer smell that. So it's, so every property I've been able to hunt so far has a creek or some type of a stream. So I definitely feed the fish every once in a while because this way, then it's like I'm not leaving that smell out there. And because I've had a, I've been in a few situations where I filled the Gatorade bottle. It's like, well, this is gonna be clever. To figure out how to do it because it's like they're very they like you said we like, we just got done talking about it. it's like they'll smell that stuff and if it's a carnivore it, it's like everybody knows mm-hmm. not just him not just her they all know yeah oh yeah these are um deer don't deer don't get the credit they they deserve that at all a lot of us respect with me you know I, I understand how how smart they are and you know so deer deer don't get the credit they they deserve you know turkeys are fun to go shoot and you know I was I was raised on running rabbit dogs and, you know, killing rabbits with, with my family. But, uh, there's, there's nothing like a white tailed deer. No, there really isn't. I tried to get my dog into, cause like I got her at two years old. And so it's like, well, let's take out 22. Let's go walk in the woods and see how she re- responds to 20. Ooh. Yeah. I learned out real quick. It's like, I can't leave her hooked up to me. Cause it's all, cause you just beeline the other direction. It's like, well, can't take you out there. Cause I didn't, I didn't get her early enough to get her introduced to gunfire. Cause, uh, uh, there's a gun range I used to go to and it's like they would allow dogs and puppies there and stuff like that, but they had to be obviously on a leash and they, and they had to be right next to you and such. So it's, which was perfectly fine because 
there's a lot of bird hunters that would go out there and they'd bring out skeet and stuff like that, but they wanted to get them used to it. So when they take them out turkey, uh, pheasant hunting, they'd be all good to go. So they didn't get that, but I still, man, I still love getting after some small game. Now you, you mentioned earlier about a web series or a YouTube series. Yes. What's this about? Uh, we just started it. Um, I, I, I went ahead and started it. I have my hunting partner. He, uh, spends a lot of time with me and we, we, um, we knew a couple people, uh, across Appalachia consistently kill big deer. And okay. that was what we wanted to do. We wanted to, we wanted to get a group of, you know, six, seven, eight guys together that um, all have the same, the same goals, you know, mm-hmm. and the, finding the biggest deer that we can find and hunting it and killing it. So, um, okay. Ended up uh, decided, yeah, we'll, we'll start this up. We'll just uh, run it as a YouTube series as first at first um, ended up reaching out to, to a couple of people that we knew and they said, heck yeah, we'll, you know, we'll jump on board. So, um, this year is going to be season one. I'll keep you updated on everything, but, um, you know, I, I can tell you this, there's, there's seven of us. Um, we have members from Ohio, Pennsylvania, um, Maryland, West Virginia, and, we, we, we share pictures with each other kind of thing. And I, I don't, I keep my, pictures, okay. I keep my pictures to myself. We, we share pictures as a team and, um, we have some giants to hunt this year. I really, I, th- I feel like this thing's going to take off and it's going to take off good. So yeah, it's just an outdoor, uh, whitetail web series. And, um, we all have the same goals, you know, find big deer and hunt them and, and kill them. We want to do it in an educational way. Um, okay. We don't want to just run it as a, Hey, look at me. My name's John Smith and I'm going to sit down here and record myself and I'm going to kill a deer and put out a two minute video on it. Um, we want to do it from an educational standpoint, you know, what, what we know, what works for us and uh, what, what works to our advantage. Um, for instance, you know, uh, scrapes running, running mock scrapes and running cameras on them. And, um, mm-hmm. like I said, we, I want to do it in a way that if there's somebody that doesn't quite know a whole lot about deer hunting and they want to get into it and, you know, sit down, I want somebody to be able to sit down in our living room and hop on YouTube and pull it up and, and learn, you know, I don't want it to be something where, man, that was a nice deer that he shot. Oh, I want it to be in an educational standpoint where, you know, somebody can learn from me because I didn't have that. I didn't have that, uh, benefit. As I said, you know, I, I taught myself to bow hunt, um, mm-hmm. because I, I, my, my, my old man didn't bow hunt and um it's just something something i taught myself so like i said i whenever we decided to start it that was one thing i wanted to do i wanted to do it in, edu- in an educational way to where you know as i mentioned I, I listened to to mark jury and i learned a lot from it so if um if we can do that you know we have we have a lot of good hunters um on our team if i can if i can run a web series and you know be able to have people learn from it then and that, that's my goal at the end of the day. Now, with everybody recording, are they self-recording themselves then and just going to give it to one guy to do all the editing? Or how I'm, I'm a, I'm, are you going to produce the content? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do all the content. Um, and it, as far as, um, you know, one of one of our team members, his wife records him, uh, goes out with him in okay. season and whatnot. Um, my hunting partner, there was times last year where I recorded him or he recorded me, and there was times that – you know, the, the buck I shot last year, I got it on camera and you know, I was, I was self-recording. So, um, I think everybody's different. Some people self-record, some people have people to record for them. 
Okay. But I was just wondering because it's like you mentioned your team was kind of all over the place. It's like that's a lot of miles. And it's like if, if this isn't paying the bills, it's a lot of out-of-pocket expense, especially yeah. with the wife trying to convince like, hey, you're, I'm going to be spending like 15 grand traveling here. It's like, is it okay? Yeah. We, it's did, like, we, ended up, um, we got a handful of sponsors and um, you know, mm-hmm. it doesn't it doesn't pay for anything. We're not getting stuff for free. We do, we do get some stuff discounted. So, you know, at the end of the day, if, if we can save it, save a couple dollars here, a couple dollars there and, you know, use it toward a tag or whatever else. That, that's great. But, um, like I said, we, we, uh, I'm, I'm blessed. Cause I, I got, a, I got a good group of guys that, that are on board with me, you know, a group of guys that, you know, have killed 150, 160, 170 inch deer guys that, that, mm-hmm. that know what they're doing. So like I said, I, I, I was big on, you know, I've been wanting to do it for, for a little bit. Um, yeah, I got on with another, with another outfit there for a year. And, um, I thought, you know, I, I've been racking my brain wanting to, wanting to start my own. So I, I went ahead and did it and, uh, I should see where, where it goes. So I, I think it'll be exciting for you. I think it'll do well. Um, I'll keep you updated on it and, and whatnot. And, you know, I, I feel like we can, we, we spoke here a little bit and I, I appreciate the friendship that we we've built here in just a short time. So, you know, you're welcome to come yeah. whenever brother. And, uh, I get now do you, are, do you have a background in film editing and such? I do not, but it's been something that I've always, um, I've always enjoyed, you, you know, like when I was, mm-hmm. when I was in high school and you, you know, you had your, your computer software class where you edited a web page or did some sort of video. I, I really enjoyed it, but it was nothing that I really had had a background in, but, um, I end up buying a software and I, I've been tinkering around here with it. And it's, uh, it's crazy. The amount of things you can do, um, with, with some of the, it is, it is insane. I know just learn cause I'm self-taught podcaster. I mean, I learned how to edit and audit and compress and all that fun stuff. But I use, I use a program called audacity and it's free, but it, the, what lured me to it is that it has a plethora of tutorials and how to go things it's always being updated to which is great the community is fantastic about it and so i'm hoping that the program you have has a really good tutorial program to teach you how to go through because i was talking to um cory house and he does uh tenacious d or tenacious hunter and that is a lot of work to produce like 15 to 30 minute content right the hours you spend in front of that and it's like you have two young kids it's like you're, you're gonna have a quick learning curve but the best part is like does your program offer tutorials to help you excel the process from start to finish yeah it does and actually what the reason i, I got this uh, software is my cousin he does the same thing he, he's got his own little web series and uh he actually came and was able to show me a lot of stuff that it can do prior to me Prior, mm-hmm. prior to me buying it and it's one of those things it's like one one of those idiot proof softwares where oh nice yeah, if you sit there and mess with it long enough you're like this is easy um but it uh it offers a lot you know i think i think i only had to pay like 80 bucks for it and uh, well that's not bad it's pretty reasonable for yeah. one year for a one-year license or you actually buy the yeah, software for, for one year for one year okay so um see how it works out and, and go from there. I'm really excited about it. And yeah, I think everybody, everybody's got a video camera in their hands now. So, um, mm-hmm. I feel like, like I said, I, I had to teach myself. So, um, if we can, if I can do it and run this in an educational standpoint, and, um, I feel like, you know, God puts everybody here for a reason We're you know, bless God blesses everybody with, 
at least one thing that they're really good at. You know, some people are really mm-hmm. good at playing guitar, you know, some people are really good at sports and, you know, some people are really good at killing deer, you know, I'm not saying that I'm the best there is out there, but, you know, I feel like God has allowed me, especially, you know, over the last 10 years through making a lot of mistakes, you know, God has uh, taught me a lot in terms of, I've been able to soak up and learn a lot about deer and I just hope to build, maybe I can pass that on or like I said, in a, in a tutorial way, you know, maybe somebody can sit down in their living room one night and, you know, sit there with their kids, somebody was, you know, just getting into bow hunting or just getting into deer hunting and, and, uh, and maybe learn from it, you know? Yeah. That's, that's the best you can do. You know, it's like, I was blessed with the gab because it's like, I was always been really good at talking to folks and it was a couple of years. It wasn't, it was, I've only been doing this for a handful of years now. And it's like, it takes, it took a while to get to be where I felt real confident behind it. And then I started making a little bit of money behind it. And so, you know, I just meeting new people and crossing the right paths and then listening to finding out how to do affiliate marketing, click funnels and such, and going from there and figuring out what you're really niche at. But it's like, I found that running this podcast is, it is a full-time job, but boys, it's so much fun. I don't consider it work at all because I get to talk to awesome guys like yourself and such. And like, I've done podcasts where I've had um, five guys on here. I had um, uh, uh, Forgotten Trails out of Pennsylvania, and those guys are badass. I mean, they're, they're, they're out there hunting, they're fishing. Uh, I really recommend looking at their content because they have they have a, a sense of humor between them because they're all a bunch of guys that have known each other all from um, Ohio and Pennsylvania, so they're all really close knit and right and uh, we should have one after the season after you get a couple episodes out we should have all of us on there and we'll just have a conversation with everybody and give everybody an input so this way you the more publicity you can collaborate with is the better off because I've learned from like the Eric, where to hunt podcast with Eric Clark and SmackDown podcast. I mean, all these guys are awesome because we, we're, we don't have egos. We just want to collaborate and have fun and talk shit. It's great. It's right. like, even when I, t- when I talk to the guys with, uh, the, on the SmackDown podcast, I always seem to put my tinfoil hat on some point in time this year. It's like cryptocurrency has been kind of like the new thing to be talking about. Cause it's, it could all p- potentially be a residual income based off of how things will unfold with the SEC and stuff like that and stuff to play around and pay attention to what's going on in the market, in the world, because it's a lot of, um, uh, a lot of interesting things are coming down the pipeline, especially with this $3.5 trillion uh, stimulus bill that I have no idea where, where they're going to come with this money, but also the anti-hunting and uh, our, there's, there's a lot of um, issues that we have to, as a, as a conservation to pay attention to because they're attacking the farmer. If they attack the farmer, we're going to run out of place to hand, hunt because we don't want to be like Europe. And it's like, and we're not careful. We're going to be right to it. We're going to be hand in hand with them where we have to spend absorbent amount of money or we are going to be below a certain income level. We're not going to be able to hunt. It's uh, it's crazy. I, if, if I get going on that, you'll wish you'd never brought it up. And I'm, I'm tired of what's going on in our country right now. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this COVID stuff has me drove up the wall. So, I mean, I, yeah, just, it's 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 honestly sad. We're we're in some we're in some gloomy days. Yeah, we we it's um we're violating the Nuremberg Code, all ten codes of it. We're developing medical tyranny where some clinics now will not let you come in unless you have the vaccine. It's like, when did we become the United States of Germany? Uh-huh. You know what I mean? But it's 
But when you start digging into, like, I, I, I did some, really started exploring more of the information when I saw him about hunting Hitler with Tim Kennedy and talking about, like, how the Democrat Party got rebranded, like, how the Nazi Party got re- rebranded. Because it's like you start to see a lot of the similarities. You start paying attention to history and stuff and how it floated up from South America into Chile and stuff like Did you know that in Chile, they had concentration camps up until the 70s? We knew about it. MI6 knew about it. Mossad knew about it. CIA knew about it. It's like, what are we hiding here there, boys? And then all of a sudden you see that, uh, like today, of all days, Facebook gets shut down. And it's yep. like, rumors have it right now on the internet that uh, the government went in and sees their, 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 um, their servers. Like I told you, there's some, there's some evil stuff in, the, in those servers. And then that's why they've been shutting, they shut it down immediately this morning because they need to clean those because there's going to be, they're going to have sex trafficking, pedophilia, drug cartels, and all stuff like that. It's like, Especially between Instagram, Facebook, and WhatsApp, very dangerous stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep, I tell you, um, makes you happy to be a uh, a white tail hunter. Right, exactly. Because now it's like I, I'm going to go out and because luckily for me, where I hunt, I have no service, so it's, I'm, I'm strictly in the now. Yeah. All I'm doing is paying attention. Yep, I tell you, um, there's a lot of places I hunt that are exactly like that too, and um, I, I'm in the uh, you get in that repetitive nature of reaching and pulling your phone out, playing with it, but I, I enjoy uh my phone being in my pocket and not having to worry about it because there's no service kind of thing. But hey, speaking of, uh, speaking of hats, I need to get me a bucks of America hat. You know, this is, this is the only hat I have. This is a one of one version here. And so I'm looking at working with, um, Shea Butler. He's got, um, a knife company and he also has a, a hat company and they make some high end stuff. And, uh, I got the chance to meet him at the Warren shoot here from the HJ USA back in May. Guy is an, a savage. We we want to do a podcast, but he want to do it opening night or opening day on in, in, in Illinois. But it's like I told him I'm going to be at Oktoberfest. I am not going to be sober enough to talk to you. But um, he makes some really high end quality knives. I mean, this right here is a is a, a limited run. This is um, number four of the USA or HHA USA knives. And if you were to buy this knife. From him, it's about a sixty-eight week order, four ninety-nine. But I tell you what, worth every penny. It's like this. This is a knife that I could pass down to my grandkids if my daughter ever has kids. So we'll we'll find out. But you know what I mean. It's like the I'm want, I'm gonna have him on the podcast, and this guy just knows his stuff and his story. But why he started his company is remarkable because he was out hunting with his uncle out west. Uncle shoots a deer. He didn't have a knife. Well, like Shay didn't know this, but he walked all the way down. He had to go like something like 600 feet vertical down to go out to go help his uncle because he shot the buck and he had to go get it. He found out he didn't have a knife. Shay didn't have a knife. The only guy that had a knife was a guy that had a broken foot back of the truck because like a week earlier, he fell off the like a first story or second story and broke his foot. So he had to walk all the way down to go that Matt right there created the inspiration to develop Shea Butler knives. And it's like he... Even um, Cameron Haynes has one of his knives. That's what kind of really set him apart because it's really high quality knives. And it's like guys will use these and butcher five, six animals and good to go. And what I like about this one is that the uh, belt hook actually comes off because I was listening to to Randy Nurberg and he was talking about like when he would have knives that are pocket knives that have a little belt clip on them. It would be digging in his hand and it's like, well, that gets tiring, especially when you're breaking down an elk or a whitetail. You don't want that extra metal digging into it. And so I like that Shea went the extra mile so this way you can remove it 
So you can be able just to use that knife out in the field without having to have that get caught on callow or anything else like that. And it's like, check out their knives. You've got an awesome Instagram page and stuff like that. But uh, it's just, it's well worth the money, needless to say. And he also has a uh, a hundred, he has got more of a budget knife. It's 150 bucks, but it's like, it's, as a hunter, we appreciate a higher quality material because we're not going to buy this a second or a third or fourth time. We're going to buy it once, whether it be 150 to $200 or $300 plus, but we, we appreciate value and a high quality uh, equipment. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to look into his stuff. I need a new knife anyways. Yeah. Believe me. It's, it's well worth it. See, I thought my, cause like we, this was part of a charity. And I thought my, I thought my wife would wanted a big girl knife. Cause I already have, I've already have my fair share of knives. And so it's like, well, she's great. She can have a knife. No, this is my father's day gift little son of a gun like snuck it up on me it's like here you go this is yours like it's like okay it's like appreciate it but thank you so it's like yeah i you i wish you wish you had an opportunity to actually experience like hold one of his knives but it's like they're very well balanced they're very well they're cut designed and and plus the nice thing is you can have it customized to have it seracoded or laser engraved can't beat a good knife yeah yeah exactly a lot of guys will um put the if they've been saved they'll put their their um uh, scripture onto it or they'll as a commemorative or make it more personalized for them. It's like, it's like, and plus he does lifetime. I think he does lifetime sharpenings with, I believe or something like that. So it's like, I plan on after the season, I'm going to send it to him, have it sharpened, but uh, we'll go from there. Right on, right on. Is there anything you wanted to nail down before we parted ways, brother? Cause I know we talked about, you didn't really have a, a recipe that you thought was, you wanted to share. So it's like, well, that's fine. Look, we'll go with something different. Yeah. Um, I had a good time, man. We, we, I think we did, we did cover some good stuff. And if there's anybody out there that's listening, that's, that's, that's new into white tails and chasing these animals, um, have an open mind, be willing to learn. Yes. A hundred percent. Never, never feel like, you know, everything you, you got to be able to learn every time you go out. And, um, you know, if you're just getting into it, uh, I tell you, these animals can consume your life and, um, I think a lot of the reason I have the respect I have for deer is because, because of what they've done for me. I mean, even going through, um, even going through some tough times in life, um, I knew that uh, there's one thing I always knew that I, I would have. You know, I always had my, my passion for chasing whitetails. So, yeah. um, if you're just getting into it, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to get into. Um, mm-hmm. It's not good for your bank account, but uh. <laughs> it's the most expensive meat you'll ever have. But uh, here's a here's a story for you. I'm coming up on the anniversary of my grandma passing away, one year anniversary. I found out what I was in the field, and I I, I was getting in and out of service, and it's like, but it was it was the right time to hear the news that she had passed because her and I have always been very very close. But then she got then she uh, progressed from dementia to Alzheimer's, and it's like you know that that connection's gone and when she passed away it's like i was i was in the right place to to hear that news because it's like i saw a couple deer but they were like 100 and some yards out but it's like it let me know that life is but a wild journey and it's mm-hmm. like you just got to you got to roll with it when you when you get this these weird inclinings you know you know it's like you got to pay attention like what what's really going on and that's why i think most of us gravitate to being outdoors because like i've never heard a hunter talk shit about whitetail right except for when they hit except for when their wife hits their truck and it's like that just cost them a grand right yep i I agree with you know i um i uh back in probably 2015 i had a i had a really good relationship with god i I was 
the church I was going to was awesome and um, had a really, really good relationship with God. And then, um, I guess my, my faith isn't now what it was. You know, I'm, I'm a believer and I, you know, I talk to God. My faith now isn't what it was. But one thing I can say with deer and, and being in the woods is uh, I have so many conversations with him while I'm in the tree. Like it might always, it might not always be a, a prayer or whatnot. You know, you're sitting there and you're like, come on, God, like everybody else is killing a deer. Like you can't put one in front of me. Like, come on kind of thing. But, um, I, I, I tell you when it all comes together, um, you know, when you're able to seal the deal and whether it be putting a good shot on a deer before you even get to him or whatnot, um, there's no doubt when I get to a deer that, you know, these animals are a blessing to me from, from God. I mean, without you knowing and with, with, without, with me knowing what I know and without you knowing, um, what these animals have done for me and what they mean to me. And like I said, you know, I think everybody goes through some tough times in life. And, you know, when I went through them, um, regardless of if it's just checking a trail camera or replenishing a mineral site or going out and feeding or you know, just scouting, um, these such not only a great animal, but, um, put here by God. And I can tell you, they've changed a lot of lives and I'm, I'm testament to that. I, I, I love these animals. Amen, brother. I, I can't top that. So thank you, Mike, for us reaching out to me, taking time out of your day to hang out with me. I'll let you get back to your family. You take care of yourself and uh, you get any of them hats, brother, hit me up. I will. I will definitely be letting you know, brother. Hey, we have some for sale on our web, on our uh, Instagram page, Appalachian chase. Uh, give us a look here and, uh, Maybe we can swap sometime. Take care of yourself, Jeff. Thank you.